and welcome to another Goldsmith Odyssey Soundtrack Spotlight. I'm Yavar Marotti, and I'm joined today by returning friend of the show, Tim Grieving, who wrote the liner notes for Varez Sarabon's new album, Rudy the Deluxe Edition, which we'll be discussing on this show. Tim, welcome back. Thank you very much. Glad to be here to talk about this score in particular. I think it's been over a year since you joined us to discuss Love Field and Lionheart. Wow. I know you've talked about it on the show before. I think people who listened to your first appearance back when you joined us on those Twilight Zone episodes probably know about your relationship with Rudy. But could you give a brief recap for listeners who maybe haven't heard that episode and and about how much this score means to you? Yeah, I think on any given day, I would say this is my favorite Jerry Goldsmith score. And I know it's not the most complex or intricate or theme-packed score he ever wrote. It's very simple. It's extremely simple. But I love this movie. Um, This movie was kind of a Christmas tradition for my family. So I've seen it a lot and I kind of associate it with seasonal, you know, festivity and being with family and stuff. And so I know that's a big part of my feelings about the music, but the music just pushes it over the edge into pure blubbering tears and inspiration and it's such a big part of that emotional experience of watching the movie for me it's as essential to the movie as say et or something yeah it's got that emotional deep connection to its subject i think yeah et is a good comparison i think that's good This movie has actually inspired me to apply for a master's degree at Notre Dame twice. And I was turned down both times. Uh, And unlike Rudy, I didn't keep trying because really I didn't need to go to Notre Dame. The movie and the music just put such a romance about that school for me. It compelled me to try to go there. So I don't know any other movie that made me apply to a specific school more than once. So that's got to be saying something. I'm guessing it was the Goldsmith score more than the football that made you want to attend the school. Clearly, I wasn't trying out for the team. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you kind of got this gig? Uh, You told me it wasn't at all related to your experience working with Rudy in concert in LA back in 2019. It was unconnected, right? I don't think it's connected. This came in uh, just a stream of assignments from Verez, and um, some happened to be Goldsmith scores, which I was very, very happy about. Uh, And this was just the next one they were working on, and they asked if I wanted to do it. But it so happened that back in March 2019, when they did the score live to picture in LA, well, I first did a, a big article for Variety, and that's when I interviewed Rudy Rudiger and Sean Astin and a couple other people. And then they had me moderate a pre-concert panel, which is the biggest event I've ever been a part of. It was several thousand people. And you think that did follow from your Variety article, right? I can't remember, but it must have. I mean, it was it all kind of happened at once. In, in fact, I might have asked, I think I might have asked to moderate that because I knew they were doing some kind of panel. I think I did. Oh, you pitched yourself. Nice. And I said, I've already talked to a couple of these people. I'm perfect for this. So mm-hmm. I finagled my way into doing that, which was one of the highlights of my life, honestly, just because this is such an important movie and score to me. And I'm up there with Sean Astin and David Anspop, uh, Angelo Pizzo, Carol Goldsmith. It was just like a magical experience, sort of an out-of-body experience.
I gathered a lot of stuff. And so when they asked me to write the liner notes, it was like, that will be a walk in the park. But then I was also so happy to hear any new music that was going to be a part of the release too. Is it at all different when you approach writing notes for a project which holds such great personal significance to you? I mean, does it make you want to take a more personal approach to the writing perhaps? Or is your approach kind of dictated by the nature of the score itself? For example, your Lionheart notes were more analytical, maybe because it's a more complex score with more thematic material versus a simpler score like Rudy. You know, the score didn't demand that kind of analysis, really. I just sort of instinctively wrote about it. And since I had so much interview material, which I had almost none, I don't know if I had any for Lionheart. So that forced me into sort of dissecting the score more. My penchant is to try to write about the story behind the score and the movie and talk to the people who worked on it anyway. That's just more my comfort zone. The story of the making of the movie and Rudy sort of like it just seemed like a natural thing to spend a lot of time about that. But I didn't even do my usual like mapping of the score notes on this one. Like I, I always do that. Well, there's like two themes in the score, right? Well, that's right. I didn't even bother to like track when and where each one starts and stops and what's happening on screen. I just didn't feel the need to do an autopsy on it like I usually do. I didn't want to kill it either. <laughs> That's how I feel about um, doing liner notes sometimes is I, I'm doing an autopsy. I put the score up on the slab and I cut it open and I weigh the heart. And all of a sudden it's just a cadaver. It's scary to do that with a score you love because you risk that it doesn't come back to life afterwards and you've truly killed it. Well, you did it with Lionheart so very well. It didn't come across that way at all. You pulled that score apart very insightfully and it didn't feel dry. It, it only opened it up more for enjoyment, I think. Well, that's good. Thank you. I mean, the fear is for myself that it'll it'll be dead and I won't I won't enjoy the music anymore. I just didn't want to get too analytical with this one because it's I didn't want to understand why it moves me so deeply. I just wanted to kind of write poetically about it because it, it's a very poetic score. Well, I did appreciate that you picked out some of the more maybe unique parts. Probably my favorite new cue is the minor key variant on the main theme in more training. you gave that cue a particular shout out and mentioned, you know, how it was kind of a different shade to the score. I appreciated you making some specific analysis points. That might be my favorite moment in the score. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why. I just, it's such a beautiful montage, kind of a sadness in the middle of it all. Well, for me, if there's like one criticism I could see people leveling against the score, it's that it's too much of the same thing, maybe. It has a very similar tone for a while throughout it, especially rearranged into chronological order. It's a while before you get to tryouts 
which, you know, peps it up a bit, but it's perfect in that way. But for people who want a little more variety, maybe uh, more training adds a different shade to the score. It's like a, a little bit more depth, like some of the darker cues that Entrada added to the expanded Hoosiers, which gave people a whole new perspective on that score, you know, beyond just the rah-rah sports kind of stuff and the pretty bucolic stuff. It has, you know, a little bit more to it, I think. I can honestly easily see why anyone would criticize the score for being too simple or too monothematic or whatever. And that's perfectly fine if they feel that way, but I can't get enough of it. Yeah, I'm the same here. I was wondering for your liner notes, did you conduct any new interviews or did you resort, you know, entirely to the ones you had done three years previously? I re-interviewed David Anspaugh. The first time I actually interviewed David Anspaugh was a few years earlier, or uh, it was it was before the Rudy thing, and it was when I was doing an NPR story on Jerry Goldsmith um, and getting a star on the Walk of Fame. And so we talked about Rudy and Hoosiers. So I had some good quotes, but I wanted to go deeper. So I interviewed him, you know, originally for this. And then I hadn't interviewed Angelo Pizzo on the record. I had just talked to him in that pre-show talk. So I did a long interview with him. Nice. So you did re-interview both of them. Yeah. I went deep with both and that was great. And then I had heard sort of, I don't even remember how I heard this, but I'd heard that Michael Abels was at these sessions. It's the composer of Get Out. And Nope recently. which just seemed like this amazing little piece of film music trivia. And so I asked him what he remembered and he gave me a couple of really good quotes. So that's that's new too. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of his three scores for Jordan Peele. Maybe us most of all, because if any of his scores is like Jerry Goldsmith influenced, that's probably the creepiest choral music I've heard since The Omen. no idea he had Hollywood experience so many years before Get Out. Uh, I thought he was just like a, a concert hall composer that Jordan Peele discovered a concert piece of for, on YouTube. Thank you. 
I didn't know that he had any connection to Jerry Goldsmith professionally. How did that turn up? What was it like maybe reaching out to him about this? I'm friendly with him. I've interviewed him several times um, over the past few years. I think it might have been a Facebook thing that he just he commented and said I was there or something and a couple years ago. And I and I stored that away just like I stored away the, the little bit of trivia that John Powell was at a scoring session for an American tale uh, back in the 80s. Oh, wow. Very cool. But yeah, when this came up, I just reached out to Michael and he shared he was working for Mike Lang, the, the great late pianist at the time. So yeah, uh, I was so, so sad to hear of his passing. There's almost a quarter hour of previously unreleased Goldsmith music on this expansion. And I wanted to ask you, I shared one of my favorite cues. Um, I think you said that's your favorite as well, the more training? I think so. I always just latched onto that in the film. And then uh, when I could rip it off the isolated score, I I loved it. Um, So that probably is my favorite. Are there any other uh, highlights of the additional music for you? I don't even know how to answer that, honestly. Um, it just all kind of adds. It does. I- any new variation of, of either of the, the main themes, I'm just like man in the desert lapping up some cool water or something. It's just delicious. It's worth bringing up also that for years we've had audio rips of the commercially released isolated score track from the DVD of the film. So a lot of the additional music might already be familiar to a lot of folks, even if it's lossy. I still got a big pleasant surprise here in the form of a few short cues that went unused in the film and therefore weren't on the isolated score track. Can you talk at all about how these would have worked in the film? I mean, it's a little bit of a guessing game. The names are pretty clear. There's one that plays under Rudy's last practice in high school. a little variation on his lullaby and then there's one called for father
and I can't remember now when that happens in the film. They're, I mean, chronologically, they, they lay out pretty clearly like which scene they match. So it wasn't like a matter of the scenes being deleted or anything to your knowledge. It's No, and I remember when I was writing the liner notes, which, forgive me, it's been, um, I think, a year or something since I wrote them. Um, I, I, you know, I was watching the film and I could tell where they would have gone. It was pretty clear and it, they just chose to leave a little silence there instead. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one is Ready Champ, which happens right before the big game. And it's pretty clear, like this nice little Jerry Horn moment of, of heroism. I asked Anspaugh, he didn't remember why they got rid of these cues. He did talk about like trying to be as emotional as this movie is. And as emotional as the score is, trying to like find the right balance of not overdoing it and not constantly pumping music into it. So even if people might complain that there's too much of this very sentimental music, they actually were trying to be restrained in some ways. So even even a cue that he wrote and recorded, it was like, let's uh, ease off the gas a little bit and not keep pushing so hard. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that. With all the missing cues added back and perhaps even more significant of a change, the score being rearranged into chronological order, how do you feel like the experience of the score has changed uh, as a listener compared to the old 37-minute album? It's hard because I love that album so much. It wasn't like there was anything wrong with it. Even though there are moments in the score in the film that I that I liked a lot, I, I it wasn't a frustrating listening experience ever, so... Oh, no, it plays great as a listening experience. If anything, though, like maybe the it doesn't tell the musical story the same way because it's jumbled up. It is one of the more out of order Goldsmith albums. So I personally feel at least that tryouts maybe has more impact now coming after a lengthier stretch where the score stays in a very different, more subdued mode. On the original album, The Cue Waiting, which uses the same theme as Tryouts, it's moved from after Tryouts to much earlier. And I think it's the third track on the soundtrack. Thank you. 
I get that Jerry probably wanted to more evenly distribute the thematic material throughout the score so the album didn't come across as repetitive. It does change the impact of that key cue to some degree, I think. Yeah. I guess I'm pretty used to listening to the the isolated rip for a while now too. So I, I'm, the experience of that chronological thing is, has always been nice. And so this just uh, enhances that with a few new cues. Yeah, I mean, it kind of just follows the character's journey a little bit more. It fits the film being more subdued for a while, and he's got, you know, a little bit of hope, and the hope goes away, and then the hope comes back, and then tryouts feels like the culmination of his hopes up to that point. So it's it's got a lot of impact. Thematically, the idea of having a very simple and very repetitive uh, musical idea is so perfect for the character of Rudy. He's so not simple, uh, but, you know, childlike almost. And he just is so persistent. You know, he just keeps banging on this drum of this idea and this dream that he has. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Jerry's not being lazy here. And it's not just he came up with one idea and decided to keep using it because it was so good. It's really well executed reflection of the narrative. And as I talk about in the liner notes, his idea was it was an Irish lullaby. And so you never forget that it's always rooted in his childhood and what he wanted as a kid. And so the simplicity of it, the beauty of it, the sweetness of it, the aspiration of it, like it's this constant companion. And he varies it. You get a nice like ebb and flow and kind of an arc, a character arc a little bit of his journey. But it's such a perfect embodiment of of the story and the character, I think. And the other side of the coin is the Irish jig that's more the action material. It's a very Irish feeling score. When you hear similar stuff in The Ghost in the Darkness, you're like, wait, what, what's Rudy doing in this for a second? Because it's so iconic. Another surprise for me on the album was a couple of choral Notre Dame source cues uh, for, I guess, you know, for the real completists. Were those specifically recorded for the film? What can you tell us about those? Um, no, I think they were just licensed from the choir there. But Varez did want to get the actual ones used in the film and got permission from the school. So I, I think it's a really nice touch. Yeah, it does add some authentic flavor to it, I guess. When I visited the campus uh, after the first time I applied uh, for the master's degree, I bought a Glee Club CD because I wanted like their fight song and stuff. It wasn't the same version from the movie, but I just wanted that little souvenir of the song. So I obviously appreciate that they included that here. Rudy is a particularly special Goldsmith score for so many of his fans, and it was also a score very close to Jerry's own heart. What thoughts do you have about its legacy and why it's endured so much to the point that it's getting a second live-to-picture performance in Indiana this month? I mean, it's hard to say what the special magic is of any movie or score. I think 
this is just one of those like timeless stories kind of David versus Goliath or overcoming the odds, uh, the, the, the victory of the little guy. It, it's got these like really elemental qualities in it. Mm-hmm. And just everything about the movie just works. The casting and the direction it looks gorgeous. It has this kind of seasonal glow about it. And I don't know, Jerry just obviously, you know, I talk about this in the notes, but he, he was a softy. He was, he had a huge heart. And as much as people know him for his action films or his like really complicated mixed meters and all kinds of macho intellectual kind of things or scary stuff, I think this was the closest kind of resonant place for him was these little quiet dramas about people um, where he could just cut a vein and and bleed out this beautiful, heartfelt, tonal, sentimental, beautiful music. He would often say that it was like this or Hoosiers were maybe his favorite score. They meant a lot to him. And you can, I, I guess, whatever the movies meant to him, he poured out into the music. And so that's why it means a lot to people, I think. It was him being vulnerable in a way. It, it was personal. It was really... And he had such a gifted, lyrical, melodic sense. And this movie just like lapped that up. Oh, yeah. People who say that Jerry Goldsmith wasn't a melodist or something, they haven't heard the score. Because he was so prolific and and so varied in his output, it's funny how people can kind of pigeonhole him one way or the other. And I mean, he himself described himself as being in the the Schoenberg school. Essentially, he 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 said he didn't he at some point say he was like a serialist composer or something. And this couldn't be more removed from something like Planet of the Apes. This couldn't be more different. It's it's almost shocking to imagine this is by the same composer. Maybe that was a young man's phase. For for him and the kind of the older he got the more sentimental he allowed himself to be i don't know but he clearly started gravitating towards this kind of material in the 90s mm-hmm. by choice so of course he he had you know patch of blue and stuff as lovely as that early on and on the twilight zone big tall wish or that kind of stuff so you could already hear his heart was on his sleeve going back to the 50s on lots of stuff he's got this pull between his brain and his heart or something like that and sometimes one side or the other would win out more because it feels like intellectually he did enjoy engaging with things in very complex ways at times. But at the same time, when the project called for it, he could take the opportunity to be very simple and heartfelt and not overcomplicate something unnecessarily. And it bears repeating that he scored so many movies that were beneath his talent that to finally get something like this, it's pretty universally agreed that this is a great movie, a great sports movie. He knew that he probably had something of of higher quality than usual. So it's nice that he finally got the chance to do a great movie.
I'm so glad that Arez has put out this new complete edition of it. We double checked, we noticed a couple tracks on the isolated score that didn't seem to be in this, but it turned out they were just edits of the two Notre Dame queue. So anybody who has that ISO score, there's nothing missing on this. It's not like a, a night and day difference compared with some other Varez expansions like Love Field, for example, but it really does flesh the score out and give somewhat of a different journey for the listener, I think. If you love this food, you get a few more scoops of it. It's all you need. Thanks so much for joining me, Tim. It's always a pleasure to have you. And uh, I'm glad that Perez brought you on this project, of course. You and me both. Short and sweet. I think we got it. Thanks so much, Tim. You're welcome. You're welcome.